Um, welcome all back. We, um, when we were planning um, this day away, we, we wanted to have something a bit more um, casual uh, in the afternoon to come back into, um, to uh, ask questions. And as it so happened, um, we obviously, you've received the letter about um, having um, an extra morning service. Um, you've all received that. Um, and then I spoke to Gary who's here, about the planning uh, around this day. And he was asking me what's going on in the church. And it so happened that Gary had been through uh, moving a church, two couple of churches, um, to multiple services. And he'd even written a book about it. (laughs) So it came as a, he said, well, you know, we could take this opportunity for half an hour just to do a bit of um, Q&A and ask questions um, of me, of, of Gary, because he's got some experience. Um, Sam Hart, where is Sam Hart gone? Sam's the space, there's a seat here for you. Sam, <laughs> our church warden. Now Sam, um, hopefully you all realize Sam was, the, he was chairing the Services Working Action Groups, or SWAG, as it was affectionately known as. And um, so he's been, have been a lot of involved in, the, in getting us to this point. Um, the other person you might not recognize as much at the other end of, of this uh, panel is Jeremy Olson, who has has been with us about a year, over, just over, and he's going to be taking forward in terms of chairing um, the SWAG group and helping us through the next months as we lead up um, to the proposals and final decisions and all the rest of it. Um, other people to note is Nigel, who's on the SWAG team, is there. Helen Riley, as well, is also part of that team. Uh, Yasmin Fry, who um, isn't here today, is part of that team as well. But the PCC have been involved, the Leaders' Council. And so I thought this was an opportunity just to, to throw this open uh, to questions or comments. And uh, um, what I thought we'd do to start with is just to, to ask Gary to say um, perhaps a few brief words about his experience and then we can just go from there, really. Is that all right? I mean, I have, we'll see where this goes, okay? Uh, but we do need to finish at, well, five, five, uh, two, in order the children come back. So, Gary, do you want to just say a few words? Okay, folks, um, I've, last two parishes I've been in, we've actually had, uh, gone down this, this line. Um, the first one was quite a small, relatively small congregation on council state, where the idea of having two services was to have, to have a different style. So we, went, we had a, a communion service of liberal Catholic style and then a much more lively, contemporary sort of family service style. That was a place called St. Helia. But the place that's probably closer to you, um, where you are, is in Holy Trinity Red Hill, um, which is the last parish I was in. Um, like you, we were packed to the doors on Sunday morning. And uh, there literally wasn't any room for more people. It's a fantastic problem to, to, to have. The question is, how could the church grow? And um, we went through, something like you, went through a long period of consultation and discussion um, and moved over from having one service at 10.30 to having one at 9.15 and one at 11 o'clock. They were slightly different styles. One was a bit more traditional. One was a bit more contemporary. There were children's work at both, but people had to decide which one they were going to go for. That was a difficulty. 
Um, when it first started, two-thirds of the congregation went to 11 o'clock, which was the service that most resembled the previous one, and a third went to the new service at 9.15, um, which was the more contemporary one. Um, but that one was the one that really grew. And uh, over the eight or next eight or nine years, um, that grew to be the biggest congregation um, in the parish. But during that time, we started some other congregations as well. Um, a midweek one on Wednesday, um, one at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon, one at seven o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and one on a council state in Red Hill. So it was part of a, a pattern of growing the church by growing the number of congregations. But it all happened over about 10 years. It didn't happen overnight. But, but we started off with going from 10.30 to 9.15 and 11. Thank you. That gives us a little bit of insight as well. And you might like to ask particular questions um, of Gary. Um, I think uh, Richard's got a, a roving mic as well. Gary's got another mic. Um, and, you know, just... Uh, Questions, comments, um, things that people might like to ask um, about what's going on. This is a great family opportunity, isn't it, as a church? Um, one of the things that we said we valued this morning was that, uh, the feeling of belonging to a family and uh, varying ages and stages and backgrounds. Um, it sounds quite painful to split that family up. How did that work out? Okay, this is not just playing with words. But are you thinking about division or are you thinking about multiplication is one of the issues. So some people say, well, you're dividing the church. But if what you're really trying to do is multiply the church, if you're trying to um, make, grow the church, grow God's kingdom, bring more people to know Christ, that's the crucial thing. So you've really got to understand why you're doing it. And if you're doing that for that reason, one of the things you need to understand is there's going to be a cost. There's always a cost involved in God's mission. So I said to our congregation, this is going to be inconvenient for us. But remember, we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for those who are on the outside um, in order that they can hear the gospel. But it will be inconvenient for us and there will be pain. So I don't think we should deny there's the pain. There's going to be some pain because some people went to 9.15, some people went to 11. And our church was a church that hugely valued its sense of family. Having said that, we worked all, did all kinds of other things to ameliorate that. So we had um, socials and church weekends and united services and lots of other things where we did bring everyone together. But we accepted that for the sake of the gospel and the progress of the gospel, um, that we weren't all going to see each other uh, on Sunday morning. I don't think there's any point denying that. There is, there's always a cost involved. And... When the church is involved in mission and there's a cost involved, what we really need to understand is we pay it. The Christians pay it in order that those outside can hear the gospel. That's the kind of the way the kingdom works. I'm going to mention that a little bit in my talk, funny enough. But, um, so I think there is a cost, but you can do some things to ameliorate it. But uh, undoubtedly that is an issue. Just to say, I think that's very much, that thought is on my heart and mind, and I think that we, there'll always be to need for thinking through, as Gary said, how we bring people together. As you think about the big, think about the small. As you think about the big, think about the small groups and how we do that. 
Um, I just wondered how many people, that are, the new people, are actually saved that, that you saw in that place. Um, was, it, was there much church transfer or was there salvation? In a place like Red Hill, um, probably in Black Hills as well, possibly more in Red Hill, um, there are always, there's always people moving to Red Hill because either God calls people to live in nice suburbs or they just decide to go. But, but they, there's always people turning up um, and they join the church. But actually, what was the great thing about this was most of the people uh, who joined the 9.15 service and later on the 4 o'clock service were not previous church members. That was the great thing about it. It really did work evangelistically. And we were never in the, we're never in the business of trying to attract people from other churches um, in Red Hill. Although, when you are a big and lively church, you are attractive. But we were trying to not do that. And that was a really great thing that happened as a result. I can hand on heart to say that a larger part of the growth was people who hadn't previously been church members. From a practical standpoint, when you had the two services and children's services, were the rotas different? Did you people do double duty? How did it work out? Um, our children's um, groups, they did slightly different things. So we had, I don't know what names you call them, we had things called explorers and adventurers and things like that. And they all did slightly different things. So um, some people... Did it so? If you were on the rota, you did it at nine fifteen and eleven, which the week you were on. Um, some groups did it that they always did one. That they were the group that did adventures at nine fifteen, and the others was the group that did it at eleven. There was there were different patterns that that people adopted um, on that particular question. I mean, it's safe to say, sorry, I put Sam on the spot there. It, we did quite a lot of research around different uh, churches and what they did with that children work and how they provided and and those sorts of provisions and to be fair to say there probably wasn't just there wasn't one set way of doing it um gary's given one way that they did it there will be others that that would work and we will have to look at all that in time that was the question that i wanted you to answer (laughs) uh just you talked about two morning services. Um, uh, obviously, Cleona and I think many others have the joys of sports on Sundays, which obviously people don't think about um, church these days uh, in the same way they used to. Have you thought about an afternoon service, um, even if it's once or twice a month? We, we did think about um, an afternoon service, and, and I... In fact, we thought quite quite long and hard about it, but I'd make sort of two key observations. The first is that the the sort of problem that we have the the sort of exam question is lack of capacity in the morning. It's it's at at a, at a point where it's not a, a sort of welcoming environment for newcomers. And if you sort of work out practically to what it would require, so. I, th- I think the seating capacity is about 200 um, in the morning, how we usually configure it. Um, you know, it's recommended you, you don't sort of exceed 80, so that's 160 people. Um, and you, you would want some sort of headroom to grow to that. So, you know, perhaps take 30 or 40 off. We've been averaging this year just over 200 
in the morning. So sort of practically to, to solve the morning issue, you know, just through an afternoon service, you'd need probably 80 people from the morning to commit to the afternoon service on, on day one. The other sort of point I'd make, and it, Gary's comments were interesting, is, you know, I think if we do, you know, as we hope and pray, fulfill our vision to double our size by 2022, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, additional services will be required, which may have, you know, sort of different focus or, you know, time or, or day of the week. And so, you know, I, I don't sort of see this as the end. I just see this as, you know, the right next step now on our journey. That's almost identical as to where we were in Red Hill. Um, there are a lot of people who want to come to church on Sunday morning. That was a real issue. And the, in order to deal with that, we, do, we did need another service on Sunday morning. And we went from a maximum of about 300 attending church on Sunday morning to about 550 um, as a result of um, this change. This was over the years, and that wouldn't have been possible without having two services. However, the four o'clock service became a crucial thing, um, and it, latterly, some of the most significant growth in terms of reaching people from outside has come from the four o'clock service. Um, we, we first of all researched one, funnily enough, done in this church. This was the one we came to look at here um, in Seven Oaks. And um, it's been really effective. And I don't think this is either or. I think you may, because of, if you like, overcrowding, need to do your morning first. But it's really worth thinking about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the interesting things about that service is that it has, right from the beginning, has had a high proportion of boys and men attending it. Not that it's not good to have, you know, do you know what I mean? But that's one of the interesting things about it. There's, there's a whole load of people who can't otherwise come. The other thing that's good about having the service at four o'clock is if on any one Sunday you can't get to church in the morning, you have the option of coming in the afternoon. Quite often people do that and vice versa. It is uh, very exciting. This is Ali over here. Um, and I know that there's been months and months in prayer about this, mainly from the Leaders' Council, can I just ask how much, and I don't mean to be throwing a, <laughs> making an issue of it, but can I just ask how much linking up with um, the people who might see themselves as being more inconvenienced by the double service, such as children and youth workers and musicians, just in relation to all of the thinking through? Because I do remember pleading that... Um, there was some involvement of that amongst the leaders' council, but I'm not aware that that's been the case. And it's just to make it work, all those practicalities have to be taken into account um, just for it to be a really good, glorifying thing. Uh, Ali, you're absolutely right. And I think actually what we are about to undertake is that phase of, of consultation and talking with bands, children's work, all that um, stuff is, is to be done, in a sense, and find out what the, what the challenges are and how we need to look at them and what, what, what uh, equipping we need to do and, and where the, the, the issues might be. So it's absolutely across a, a number of things. Prayer ministry, I'm thinking of as well. All those kind of 
issues that need to be exactly worked out and worked up as to what would be helpful for the people who are leading those things. And there'll be a, a whole load of consultation across that. I don't know whether anyone else wants to say anything. Yeah, I'd just add two things. I think um, the way that I think about it is you have to start with what you think the right answer is, big picture, and then sort of you know, plan and work towards that. And that's why you know, we tried to establish the principle and now we'll go into more detailed planning with the, you know, the leaders of various ministry areas. The other comment that I'd make is, you know, we, we do see this as part of the growth of the church. And, you know, as a function of that, we expect more new people. And that should bring new, you know, volunteers, new worship leaders, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, my, my hope and prayer is that that is the case. And we aren't sort of, you know, relying on stretching the people we have today further. Um, can I just check on um, it's Neil here um, just on the congregations and you, I think Neil asked a question about the 4 o'clock and I don't think you quite answered it because you said well we're basically going to do two Sunday mornings and that's the problem but, and you said we'd need 80 people to move I mean one option is to ask to, as part of the consultation are, are there 80 people who might be prepared to do that uh, the answer may well be no but that could be a question that we could pose and I guess the other question is that I guess yeah so in just in terms of consultation because we've also got an 8.30 service haven't we so at the moment I think the plan is to keep an 8.30 and then have an, a sort of 9 something service and then 11 something service that's actually 3 Sunday morning services so it could be I mean I just think there's lots of ways one could cut it and I didn't know whether we were going to engage lots of people in what would their preference be because everyone might People's circumstances change, and they might all go, well, actually, I'd be prepared to move to a, I'd like a nine. Someone else might want to go for 11. Someone might want more contemporary style, you know. And I just, I don't know if that's part of the consultation process, is to ask people's views about different services, because we might find there's 40 people who would love to join the four o'clock service. Um, there's, a, there's a number of, of things in that. One, one of the things, I think, just to, to draw out Gary's point about um, afternoon services, I don't know whether you had a 6 o'clock or a 7 o'clock as well at that point. Um, so um, one of the things is we do already have an evening service um, that isn't full. Um, and that's, that's not to say that that um, completely fits everybody's um, uh, preferences. And I think what... Gary's point about this isn't a static process in that we believe that, and I believe very strongly, this is the first step that we must take in a longer process. Um, and therefore, you know, it's not an either-or. It's This is the thing we need to do at this stage. Um, but the well, I pray um, that God will bless us um, at, with more people, more Christians, uh, people coming to faith and then we will need a four o'clock and other other types of services maybe midweek or 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 whatever Um, but i think this is the first step um uh, the conversation with eight the 830 bcp is is an ongoing one they're aware of the situation and uh, be talking that through with them um so there's a there's a lot in that um and i think those are the you know this is the 
certainly the feeling and the direction that we need to be taking at this stage. That doesn't mean to say other things are not off the table. Does anybody want to add? Uh, just sort of very practically as well, we're, we're, the, a, a lot of the sort of um, talk around 4pm is, is driven by um, children of a, a certain age who might be doing activities in the morning, but for whom you know, a 6pm service is, is probably too late. And we are uh, working with Hannah M at the moment about whether we can start a sort of youth group for that particular age group um, on a Sunday afternoon, which is a sort of, you know, a way of potentially, um, you know, helping that age group whilst, you know, <clears throat> going forward with the, the additional morning service plan. Would um, more members of the congregation be expected and asked to lead and preach? And would it be possible just to come alternate Sundays so that we can still all meet together one Sunday will come to one and the following another service so that we're still not separated altogether I think um, just thank you Brenda that's, that's, it's, it's that desire isn't it to want to meet with people and be, be together and that togetherness which is so important I mean that's why days like today I think are very special times is that we come from different services already and actually, this is a great place to come together. And I think we do need to keep that element of uh, unity um, and we need to work hard at it. Um, and there may be different ways of doing that. I, I, can, I can feel the strength of that really strongly because Holy Trinity Red Hill had that very, very strong um, ethos and remains a very close-knit um, and loving congregation. So that, that there's a real difficulty about that. But I think the one thing that's worth bearing in mind is that there's a certain way of looking at church which actually in the end limits its size. Because if you want to be in the kind of church where you know everyone, it can't grow beyond a certain size. So it, it, become, it becomes a limitation. And my kind of little thing I used to say at Holy Trinity once we got beyond a certain size was, okay, we're no longer the kind of church where you can know everyone, okay? That's not a sensible goal, to know everyone. But everyone should know someone. And we got to work at that. And we got to work at our small groups and our other gatherings and the groups, things done for the elderly and the things for the young people but we're bigger we're bigger now than than we could know everyone we're not attempting to do that but we don't see that as a problem because although it kind of is a problem it's arisen from something else that is even more important which is getting the gospel out and people being saved for eternity and it it's just getting that perspective that that that's why we're doing it and there is some cost and there is some pain but if it leads to people being saved, that's worth it. Just can I just say a very quick thing about the four o'clock service. When that did start, only a very small group, in fact, transferred from the morning. And, and that started off as a very small congregation of about 20 people. It's now about 100. I've been back there recently. And nearly all of those people have come from outside. So it, it, there weren't many existing Christians who wanted to transfer 
But over the years, it's grown to join a, a whole load of other people in at four o'clock. I think one of the things that we're um, working out with um, Vanessa and Nigel and Chris um, is going to be involved in this is looking at our, the whole welcome side of the church. Um, I know that that's, that, um, you know, is, is an area where as you get bigger, you really need to, we need to work at and look at and how we really do, not just the initial welcome, I'm talking the whole broad sweep of um, going beyond that into, um, you know, the, we, after the, the month or six months that somebody is, is with us. It's not just the initial welcome. Um, I'm conscious of time, um, and I know we could go on and on. Um, is there one more question? Could, could, could I ask a question, please? Um, I've seen Jeremy sitting up there doing nothing at all. I thought <laughs> might, might be good to involve him. Um, have we thought of, instead of two services in St. John's, having a second service in a nearby struggling church? I think this is probably for me, not Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> um, there are possibilities of that um, and some um, what I call uh, embryonic discussions and things that are going on with the diocese. There's certainly not in any uh, you know, great development of them yet, but things that are going on, discussions with Alistair Cutting, as our archdeacon and the bishop, about possibilities in the future. Uh, and um, so that's a really good question, it's a good instinct, you know, beyond where we are as a parish, and those are beginning to happen. Um, and I've already had one conversation about that. There's possibilities of another. Who knows where they may lead? But they're at that sort of these things with, with uh, other parishes and neighbouring churches take a long time to to come about. But the, there's possibilities in the future, and I see that more medium long term. Um, and um, pray about it. I'd really encourage us to do that. Um, I'm conscious of time. I wonder whether Jeremy might actually add a few comments about what's happening next. I always try and do as little as possible. Um, Going forwards, and Ali's already picked this up, there's a tremendous amount of detail that we need to get into in terms of how a newly structured uh, Sunday morning programme will work. Uh, The intention is, uh, from now through till about Christmas is to begin uh, getting round to all of the people who uh, currently lead or involved in those groups um, uh, to start working through what it'll take to put on an additional service. Uh, and coming back to Gary's point, yeah, there's, a, there's a cost. There's a cost in time and effort. There are lots of opportunities. We're talking today about a heart for service. Um, I think Eddie said there'll be no rotors you know, out today, but there'll be plenty of opportunities uh, in the weeks to come to hopefully prayerfully consider um, how you may get involved in, uh, in serving in the morning communities. Most directly, next Sunday, uh, we'll be putting out a questionnaire which will just be looking for an indication, uh, if you're a member of the morning uh, congregation, as to which of uh, two potential service options uh, you would most likely uh, want to attend. That will begin to give us an idea of 
uh, of where we're heading in terms of split. You know, in, a, in an ideal world, we'd love to get to sort of 50-50 across the two uh, service times, uh, but the questionnaire will be a way of uh, sort of gauging that. So we'll probably put two uh, proposed times and then look at some, uh, some options around that um, uh, where they may work better, better for you. So that's the next step, and we'll be collating that through October. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, and there is also, sorry, as of uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll put sort of a frequently asked questions or questions that you might have, uh, and we'll try and wrap some of the ones that have been uh, asked today um, just to give you sort of a, a, a fairly high-level view of uh, where the current thinking is uh, on lots of the areas that you've talked about today. Uh, last word, go for it. It's exciting. Um, let's take God's kingdom forward. Um, let, let's be bold. Let's experiment. Um, I used to be a chemistry teacher. Sometimes experiments go wrong, in which case you stop them. Uh, but they don't always go wrong, and you can discover great things, and great things can happen, particularly when you're doing God's work. So go for it. God bless you. Um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for St. John's. Thank you for all the love for you here, the love for the brothers and sisters that they have for each other. Uh, thank you that you've blessed this church so much that there's no room on Sunday morning. What a great thing that is. How few churches have that problem. And may you help them to find the way forward, uh, to continue to be a loving family, but to include more people into your kingdom by your grace and through the gospel. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.